Psalm number 9 and Matthew chapter 23 in one hand, if you can get it. But before that, or while you're going there, um, just a review from last week when we talk about why Satan hates the mystery. First off, Lucifer was an anointed, what? Cherub. Cherub. Again, for those that were not able to listen or were not here last week, there are three heavenly bodies, of course, other than God. Um, cherubs, angels, and, and seraphim. Um, so Lucifer was an anointed cherub, but we now know him to be an angel because Satan transformed himself as a blank of light. An angel of light. So he's not an angel, but because he wants us to think he's an angel, he transformed himself into an angel of light. Satan's goal is to be blank the most high. He wants to be like the most high. He wants to be like God. So if he's going to, uh, to try to beguile us, he's not going to go the other way. He's going to go close as possible as like the Bible or like uh, real Bible-believing Christianity or like, like the real churches of God. It's going to be like that so he can beguile us. But just a little bit of perversion here and there, just like another gospel. Remember that? He didn't, he's not going to beguile you with the gospel of Satan. That, the, another gospel in the book of Galatians, is not the gospel of Satan. It's the real gospel plus some perversion. And then, last but not the least, if Satan knew the blank, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Starts with an M. The mystery. It was a mystery, amen, to him. If he knew that the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is needed for the salvation of men so that men will not have to work anymore to be saved, then he wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. So, praise God. Uh, interesting. How, how many of you enjoyed or learned from that message from last week? Amen. Praise God. This week, we're going to be talking about something, and I think I sent an email to some of you. Um, uh, it's, we're going to talk about hell. We're not, going to be talking, we're not going to be preaching like a hellfire and brimstone message. I'm not going to be yelling or shouting over here, although sometimes I tend to do that. We're going to be learning about hell. Okay? Um, but let's go to our, our text for Psalm 9, verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Matthew chapter 23, verse 33 says, Ye serpents, ye, generations of viper, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Nobody can escape that. Nobody can escape the damnation of hell once they're dead. Right now, there's still a chance, and that's why we're talking about this. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we lift up everyone, dear God, and we lift up your words, and we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Set us aside, please, dear God, and, and uh, may everyone just see what you're trying to tell us and not the instrument or not any other circumstance or any other thing that is taking from our focus in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Like we discussed last week, 
Let's not be surprised. Amen. Satan knows how to operate, and so he has given uh, the world of unsuspecting Christians a system of teachings that did not totally eradicate hell. Satan's not going to totally eradicate hell because that's too obvious, just like what we talked about last week. He's not going to totally remove hell. What he's trying to do is he's just going to try to water it down. No pun intended. (laughs) That's exactly what he's trying to do. Totally removing hell is just too obvious. Satan does not want to totally remove hell. He wants to remove the fear of hell. Yes? I've talked to people who are not afraid of hell. I've talked to, uh, when I was trying to lead some, a, a teenager to, to the Lord, she said, well, I'm not scared of hell. My friends and I are just going to be there and we're going to have a party. Have you heard that before? Because people are not afraid of hell anymore. Because why? Because Satan has watered down the doctrine of hell already. On the other hand, and this is what my email was to most of you or some of you when we were preparing the bulletin over here. Sadly, on the other end of the spectrum, we have people who say who stay or sorry who study the Bible, and uh, they have come to this sad conclusion. And I think I, in my email I said this: these are actually some of my preacher friends who reached out to me and say, you know what, in my study of the Bible. I have discovered that hell is not real. What? How did you, you get to that conclusion? Well, the Apostle Paul did not mention it in his epistles. And all of the Apostle Paul's epistles are for us. So it must not be real. So the first point we'd like to discuss today, is hell real even if the Apostle Paul did not mention it in his epistles? Well, so what I did when I heard that is I went over and searched the Bible um, to see how many times, can you see that from your end over here? Yeah, I think so. Uh, to see how many times hell is mentioned in uh, the Pauline epistles, in the epistles and the writings of Paul in all Bibles. So you can see Acts. Well, The King James Bible has 54 mentions, NIV has 15, New American Standard Version has 15, Um, the Revised Standard Version has 90, the New King James Bible has 35, and the Modern English Version has 22 mentions of hell. As you can see, after Acts, the next mention of hell is in James. Same thing with the NIV, same thing with the New American Standard Bible, same thing with the Revised Standard Version, all of them. So they're, sli- they're saying, the Apostle Paul did not mention that, so it must not be true. There's, it's a little bit faulty, a, a li- not a little bit, a lot bit, <laughs> that's bad English, a faulty argument there. And we're going to talk about it because what are you, are you going to, are you just going to be totally, are you just going to totally eradicate hell here and after the writings of Paul? This is, is it because, is it just because that the apostle Paul did not mention it there that all this is not true anymore? See where I'm trying to get there, trying to get at over here. So now I know that 
there are also some mentions of words, big words, and, and we're, we're, we might be able to hit this next week, uh, to talk about these, these big words next week. And the words are, but not today, the words are Sheol, Gehenna, the abyss, the grave. Why is it? I, did, I only searched hell in this search over here. I did not search them. And the reason why, and this is just my own personal reason, it's not, you're not going to find that in, <laughs> in any, I guess, theological books or whatever. The reasons why I did not include those words in the search. Number one, because when I share the gospel to other people, I tell them about hell. Maybe some of you have used the term Gehenna or Sheol or the abyss or the grave. But I've, can you imagine telling people, you know what, when, when we die, we're all going to the grave. Well, sure, everyone knows that, <laughs> right? And they're like, yeah, everyone goes to the grave. Everyone gets buried. So the efficacy, if you will, the... the um, the effectivity or the effectiveness of the word hell—it's not scary anymore if you use that trying if you use these words to me um, when I share them to other people when I share the gospel to other people. Number two, because people don't know what those words words mean most of the time, but they mostly have an idea what hell means, right? And the third is people think hell is so bad that they've used it in profane languages, right? So they'd be like, what the, you know, or when you ask them something, did you do this? Well, blank, yes. You know, nobody says, what the Sheol? <laughs> or what the Gehenna? Or... Abyss, yes. And I know that's kind of, that kind of does sound funny, but think with me for a second, thinking hats on, right? Because people know or have at least uh, an impression or some so sort of wisdom or thought that hell is so horrible that they would use it into profane language or their profane phraseology. And that's why I did not include that search in, in what we're doing right now, what we're discussing. So because of what we're discussing is the Apostle Paul did not mention it. How do we prove that hell is still real? If we're going to go with that faulty argument over here. So he's this, he, uh, hell was mentioned over here. Acts going down, and then James going up. But no hell mentioned over here in all of those Bibles. So how do we prove that hell is real, even for people right now? Well, I'm glad you asked. Praise God. I think I lost my, my capabilities, Brother Mike. <laughs> All right, so while we're doing that, um, the Apostle Paul did not mention hell in his epistles, but 
Did you know that the term rapture is also not in the Bible? But the truth of the body of Christ being caught up is still there. The term rapture is not in the Bible. Thank you, sir. The term rapture is not in the Bible. But the truth of the body of Christ being caught up is there. The term, hey, guess what? The term Trinity is not in the Bible. But 1 John 5, 7 is there. The term eternal security is not in the Bible, but eternal salvation is. So even if those words are not in the Bible, the truth being taught is still there. I'll show you these verses here in a bit. The fourth reason why I think, the fourth reason why hell is real, even if the Apostle Paul did not mention it, is because who was the Apostle, thank you very much, Brother Mike, who was the Apostle Paul talking to? He was talking to saved people, right? Are saved people going to go to hell? No. That's why he did not mention it. But even if he did not mention the word, he still mentioned terms like damned and damnation. Pardon me, I'm not trying to use profane language over here. I'm just using the, the terms that he, 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 he wrote. And flaming fire. Where do you think that's going to be? Let's go back to all these verses. Uh, first, this, or sorry, um, let's see. First Thessalonians 4 verse 17. Rapture is not, the term rapture is not in the Bible, but First Thessalonians 4 17 clearly teaches it. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, there it is, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then use the term rapture, but the truth is taught clearly here. Amen. 1 John 5, 7, this is the most attacked verse in the Bible. Amen. Why? Because this is the sole verse that expressly teaches the Trinity. Eh? Now, there are other verses in the Bible, like say, for example, I'll give you an example. Um, remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized? in the river of Jordan, and then the voice came up from heaven, that's the Father, because He clearly said, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. So, the Father, the Son, and then the Spirit came down like as a dove, right? Remember that? So, the picture, the, the reality of the Trinity is there, but the truth, the express doctrine is taught in this verse. That's why this is one of the most attacked verses in the Bible. 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And then what about hell? It's not mentioned in the Apostle Paul's uh, letters, but what about... Uh, sorry, sorry, not, not hell, but what about eternal security is not... Did you know that eternal security, the term eternal security is not in the Bible, but eternal salvation is? How many of you, you've experienced maybe your children or you when you were little, you know, in front of the Kmart or Walmart, there used to be these little penny rides or quarter rides, I guess now, or dollar rides now, I guess. <laughs> And then it'll say, put a dollar or a penny in or a, or, or, or a dime in and this little ride, this little Dumbo, the elephant, is just going to rock back and forth for two minutes. 
So you put your diamond and then your child's super happy over there. And then after a minute, it stopped. What do you think happened there? You got duped. <laughs> hey, this says two minutes. What happened? Can you imagine God telling you you have eternal life and then after you see it, boop, you're gone. That's not an eternal gift now, is it? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, the term eternal security is not there, but the truth, the doctrine is taught. Amen. It exists. Same thing with hell. Look at uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7 to 8. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Boy, that's, that's a good, that's a good, that'll preach there, Brother Bill. You are troubled, rest with us. You are troubled about going to hell. You are uncertain where you're going when you die. Rest with us. Amen. When the Lord Jesus shall be, re be revealed from heaven and his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Where do you think that's going to be? The, truth, the, the word hell was not used, but the truth, the doctrine exists. So problem number one, is hell real? Even if the apostle Paul did not mention it? Yes. Yes. Number two, where is hell? There's a couple of songs that come to mind, that came to mind. Now I'm, it escaped me because I'm nervous. <laughs> but a uh, couple of songs maybe you would remember that hell is here on earth. Where is hell? The first mention of hell is in Deuteronomy chapter number 32, verse 22. And and the reason why I say the first mention, there is this thing in when you study the Bible, it's called the law of first mention. Every time a word is mentioned the first time bears a heavy weight because there is attributions and teachings behind that first time that it was used that might be a pattern throughout the whole Bible. All right? Deuteronomy 32 verse 22 says, for a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell. Now, I underline that there because, huh, basic syllogism or ba basic, under, basic logic would say, if there's a lowest hell, could it possibly be that there's a lower hell and a low hell? Hmm. Come back next week. Bring your family and friends. Amen. <laughs> uh, and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on the fire uh, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains well where's that the foundation of the uh, the mountains down right psalm 55 verse 15 says let death seize upon them and let them go down Quick into, um, into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Isaiah 14, verse 15, or sorry, uh, Matthew 14, verse 15. 
I did say Isaiah over here. Sorry about that. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So where is hell? Hell is never spoken of in the Bible as here on the surface of the earth. It is never spoken of as up. I used to teach a group of street kids, street children, grade, first grade street children, actually, in, uh, in, in the Philippines. And I, I asked them one time where, did they, where they thought hell was and the great theological minds that they are. Most of them went this way. None of them went that way. Hell is down. The Bible describes hell as down. No matter where we are in the earth, it's down. Even if you're down under, it's still down. So what does that mean? Just like what we saw in that last verse, it's in the heart of the earth. Amen. All right. So we only have four points to talk about. A thousand different sub points, but we're already in number three. Almost done because we only have four. What do they have in hell? Or what is hell like? Number one, they have bars. And all the party people goes, bars? Woohoo! That's not the kind of bars we're talking about. Let's talk about what kind of bars they're talking about. Job 17 verse 6 says, They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest Together is in the dust. Another verse, actually, it's not on here, but Jonah chapter 2 verse 6 says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The heart of the earth, all right? The bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. So what kind of bars are we talking about? We're not talking about bars that serve beverages because we already know that the rich man asked, Father Abraham to send Lazarus across the great gulf to dip his tongue in some water and to cool his, or his, his finger into the water to cool his tongue. There are no beverages over there. We're talking about, we're not talking about bars of soap. We're talking about bars just like in jail. Amen. Next, what else? They have gates. Remember Matthew 16, verse 18, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the what of hell? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I think just those two things, we're starting to get a picture of what hell is like. What do you think? A hotel? A prison. Do you know that prisons right now are actually based or modeled up, modeled from hell, from the real teaching of hell. Probably people didn't know that. Maybe unsaved people. Maybe the people in, hell, in, in, in prison didn't know that. But prisons are modeled after hell. Next, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved into, into judgment. So we have bars, we have gates, we have chains. Really, like a prison. We also have darkness. Jude chapter 1, verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate. We're actually going to talk about this next week. I'm telling you, bring your friends and family, amen. First come, first serve in the first three rows. 
what happened to these angels. These angels did something. And remember a few weeks back when we talked about different kinds of hell, we talked about the Lord Jesus Christ going to hell. And then he did something over there. He preached to these angels. What did these angels do? Next week, amen. <laughs> All right. So darkness. So we have bars, we have gates, we have chains, we have darkness. Jude chapter 1 verse 6. The angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he had reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. There's a cave uh, system, a series of caves over in close to Bowling Green, Kentucky, maybe some of you would know what I'm talking about, called the Mammoth Cave. Huge cave, and it goes really down deep, deep down. And then once, when we were t- touring it a couple of weeks back, uh, the tour guide says, all right, just stand in a circle in one of the pockets over there, and we're going to turn off the light just to, st- just to show you how crazy horrifying it is in this total darkness. Now, sometimes when we're just at our homes and the lights are off, we can kind of still see the shadow of our head, hands in front of our faces, right? Not there. Not in the mammoth caves. And it was silent and cold. Now, I'm telling you, hell is not going to be cold. Amen. Because there's fire there. Now, it's ever in chains, uh, in everlasting chains under darkness. Amen. Unto the judgment of the, the great day. And what, what else do they have in hell? Fire that never shall be quenched. In Mark chapter 9, verse 43, it's also repeated twice, or three times actually, in verse 44 and 48. So you would think that when God repeats it something four times, it's really, really important. Amen. He says, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. So the next most logical thing that comes to my mind is this. If there's fire, how could it be dark? You think about that? I don't know if some of you have, see, have ever done some welding or something like that. Or maybe even when you're looking at your stove, if you have a gas stove, of course it's blue light, right? But then underneath there, underneath the, the, the little flame over there is kind of like a, a transparent. People might think that that's where the gas is kind of spewing out. Some people say that the hottest flame is the flame that's not, that does not have color. There's darkness. There's bars. There's chains. There's a gate. And there's, uh, there's everlasting darkness. And there's a fire that shall never be quenched. And you know what, by the way? Another term used for hell is the bottomless pit. Now, how, how do you explain that? Explain it this way. There are some restaurants over here that advertise a bottomless glass. Right? I wouldn't know. (laughs) But 
What does that mean? Does that mean that they have a glass that does not have a bottom? Of course not. That'd just be ridiculous. If they pour something in there, it just goes straight through. That means when you finish your first glass, you can ask for some more. It does not end. Amen. In the Philippines, we have what you call unlimited rice or bottomless, or bottomless rice. That means you can eat all the rice you can, and when you're done with it, get some more. You know, there's a verse in the Bible in Proverbs chapter number 30, verse 15 and 16. The horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not it is enough. The grave and the barren womb and the earth that is not filled with water. Watch this. And the fire that saith not it is enough. Just like thirst that can never be quenched, the fires of hell can never be quenched. And the fire, if hell could speak, hell might say, I don't care if you're not afraid of me anymore. I don't care if people water the doctrine of hell down so much. I want them all. Keep them coming. I am never quenched. Last but not the least, and then we're done. Whew. Keep going. How do people go to hell? So we're not talking about what a person needs to do to go to hell because the answer is nothing. <laughs> right? You don't have to do anything to go to hell. Just live your life as is and do not trust in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you, His death, burial, and resurrection. We're talking about what happens when an unsaved person dies. And this is where it gets kind of scary. Before we talk about how an unsaved person goes to hell, let's talk about how the Old Testament saints went to Abraham's bosom. Now, you remember that, right? When we talk about Abraham's bosom. Let's talk about how the Old Testament saints went to Abraham's bosom, which is not heaven because, and we'll talk about that again next week. Um, first off, in Genesis chapter, just a few more verses and then we're done. Genesis 25 verse 8 says, When Abraham died, this is what happened. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years. And what? Was gathered to his people. So the next most logical thing that comes to mind, if there, are gather, uh, if there is a gathering, there must be something that's being gathered. We know that that's Abraham's soul. And there is gatherers. Who are those gatherers? We'll, we'll talk about that here. We'll get to that here in a bit. Numbers 27 verse 17, Moses was not able to go into the promised land even after those 40 years in, 40 years in the desert. But God showed him a glimpse of it. Numbers 27 verse 17, he says to Moses, And when thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother was gathered. That's Moses before, uh, before the nation of Israel crossed the Jordan into the promised land. He was able to see it and then he died. But when he died, he was gathered. What does that mean? Well, praise God that the Bible gives us answers. Look at Luke chapter number 16, verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died... And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. 
So that's who the gatherer, the gatherers are, the angels. Now we're talking about, we're talking about Old Testament saints here. Now in our time, in our age of grace, the age in, in the dispensation of grace, we have a verse in the Bible that that Paul says, "Absent in the body, present with the Lord." And actually, there was a time when, people, when the Apostle Paul was stoned. Do you know that? The Apostle Paul was stoned and was left for dead. And then he said later on that he saw the third heaven. He was absent in his body and then he, he, uh, he was present with the Lord. So it could be that we might be gathered by angels right now, but if I'm going to go with our pattern, who is Paul? I'm just going to say, once we die, we who are saved right now, absent from the body, open our eyes, present with the Lord. Either way, A, it's a good place to go. <laughs> B, if I'm taking my angels, woohoo! If not, woohoo! Just don't send me the other way. But like I said, if I'm going to go with, my, my pat, with our pattern, who is the Apostle Paul, and we should, absent with the body, present with the Lord. If there are gatherers, angels that are going to gather our soul into heaven, praise God too. No problem. Now, now let's look at this rich man over here, the, the red part of the verse. The rich man also died and was buried. Look at the very next, turn, next thing. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. Any angels, any devils to take him? Nope. He died. He opened his eyes. He was in hell. Watch the majesty of God's word. Just a few more verses, then we're done. Watch the majesty of God's word. Job chapter 27, verse 19 to 21. The rich man shall lie down. But he shall not be gathered. He openeth his eyes and he is not. It's not talking about our physical body's eyes. It's talking about the eyes of his soul. He opens his eyes. Whoa! I'm not alive in my body anymore. I'm somewhere else. He openeth his eyes and he is not. Terrors take hold on him as waters. A tempest stealeth him away in the night. How many of you have experienced drowning before? Not, of course, to the death because you're still here. But can have, I've, when I was a little boy, I was, I was in my swimming lessons and I was so excited because I just saw some people in the pool and it looks like they were having fun and I just, whoo, boom, jumped into it. And then, you know what? In a split second, my excitement or my anticipation of my excitement turned into a concoction of terror, panic, and fear, and helplessness. He opened his eyes and he is, not, he is not. Terrors take hold on him as waters. It's like he's drowning. He's just trying to hold on to everything he can. A tempest stealeth him away in the night. The east wind carried him away. You know, the east wind in the Bible is in interesting because in the east of Israel is just desert and the west is the Mediterranean Sea. So when you see, when you read the east wind, that means it's winds coming from the east. If there's winds coming from the desert, it's hot. 
That's why they don't like it. The vehement east wind from the, in the Bible, when you read that, that's, that's a sign that, that uh, um, a plague is coming. Why? Because it's going to dry up all their plants and their cattle. It says, the east wind carrieth him away, and he departed, and as a storm hurleth him out as a place, out of his place. Can you imagine? Just like that. But God gives us a warning. One verse, we're done. So God gives everyone a warning. Heed the pan-dispensational warning of the Almighty God from His Bible. When I say pan-dispensational, it means in, it, it, this warning is for everyone in the Old Testament, in our time in the dispensation of grace, and even after the rapture when that happened. When that happened. Job 36 verse 18 to 20. Because there is wrath, lest he take, lest Beware lest he take thee away with his stroke. Then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. You know, when a person dies and goes to hell, a great ransom cannot deliver him anymore. Even the ransom of the Lord Jesus Christ's blood. When you're in hell, you're there. When you die and go to hell, you're there. You cannot say in hell, Well, now that I'm in hell, Lord, now I'm going to trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God says, eh, 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 too late. Do it right now while you're still alive. Amen. A great ransom cannot deliver thee. Will he esteem thy riches? No, not gold, nor all the forces of strength. Desire not the night when people are cut off in their place. Most of you know my story, and I'll tell this and then we're done. And I told you that I was a youth leader and a song leader in a, in a Baptist church before I got saved. You know what? During that time, I dreaded the night. I know this is talking about a different night over here, but I dreaded the night. During the day, I, was, I could be happy. During the day, I was doing whatever life had for me back then. But at nighttime, when my own spirit would say, are you really saved? I dreaded the night. I could not sleep at night because I was afraid that maybe if I slept, I may not open my, my eyes anymore. Because once you die and go to hell, no ransom can deliver you. No ransom can deliver you. So be saved right now while you still can. Make it sure right now while you still can. Because it happens suddenly and it's just like drowning Everything turns from a hopeful life, life full of hope that you're going to do this. I'm going to earn this. I'm going to do this with my job. I'm going to do this with my family tomorrow. But you never wake up and everything starts to turn into horror. And then you're trying to grab for everything like you're drowning, but it's too late. Be saved right now. Trust in God's the Lord Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. 
before it's too late. Father, thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you, Lord, for, for loving us that you gave the Lord Jesus Christ to die, to be buried, and to rise again the third day so we don't have to go to this horrible place called hell. Please, Father, if there's anyone here who does not know, who's not sure, or maybe in, internet, in the internet, please help them. They can reach out to me or they can trust in you. And uh, please help them settle it right now as soon as possible while there is still hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.